back to my favorite birder. I'm still April, and I'm still so glad that you joined me. And y'all are joining me for my first ever episode of That's a Good Egg. Yep, and to kick it off, my first good egg is a kid that I asked, well, I guess back when he was still a kid, a year or two ago, over at Sandy Ridge, where I met him, part of the Lorraine County Metro Parks, and a favorite of many a birder here in Ohio. He's good-looking, mannerly, smart with his subtle flex, and a really good rarity finder. And a fast counter, times 43. Does my abacus go up that high? Will it? <laughs> Listen to hear how he got started birding and what the future holds for our own good egg, Ben Meerdick. Meerdick. Ben Murdick. Ben Meerdick. He knows who he is. What? So obviously I'm going to butcher your name because that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Ben Meredick. 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 Yes. Meredick. Got it. Oh, yep. See there. Good for me now. All right. Now I'm up one. Yay. Well, no, I got David <laughs> Lindo's right too, but we haven't put that episode out yet. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so Ben, 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 I remember meeting you. Well, I think I might have met you one time at the lake, maybe. I forget. Um, a couple years back, and there was some good bird up there. I had no clue because I wasn't on Facebook, and I didn't know any birders per se. I might have went on a Sandy Ridge tour with um, Tim but because I knew where the lake was. At, well, I knew where the lake is, but you know what I mean, where to look for yeah. birds. And a kid pulled up, jumped out of a car, and was like – is the I can't remember what bird it is. That's the kind of good birder that I am. Whatever. <laughs> Let's say little stint. <laughs> we know it isn't that one. Yeah. Um, whatever bird it was, like maybe a turnstone or something. You're like, oh, did you see it? Is it over here? I'm like, huh? I don't know. And I don't know if that was you or not. It was, you know, uh, you know, white. I don't people. remember white that, but all look who, like who knows? That. I don't. Yeah. There's been who a lot of tell. birds on the lake. Yeah. And then for sure it's Sandy Ridge and you were walking with mm -hmm. Carol and I was like, ah, oh, and I thought you were her son or nephew or some relative or something. I'm like, oh, who's this? And she's like, oh no, this is Ben. And I was so impressed, like how much you knew about the birds and everything. So when did your love of birds begin? Uh, well, I really started in, I didn't grow up as a birder. I wasn't I haven't been birding my whole life or anything like that, but um, it really all started by chance because um, my family, we would watch a movie every New Year's Eve day. And usually we would choose like a lesser known movie or something, definitely something that we'd never seen before. And just one year in 2012, we decided uh, to watch the big year, the movie. I don't remember how we heard of it or anything like that, but that's the movie we ended up watching. And uh, if you don't know, The Big Year is this movie about uh, three birders doing a big year, trying to see as many bird species as possible in 
um, the United States and Canada in a year. And we watched it uh, and I was really blown away by all the birds that they were seeing and how enthusiastic they were about it and how um, important these birds were to them. And we watched it on right before the start of a new calendar year. So of course, the next year we had to try and see as many birds as we could, um, knowing nothing about any birds. The very first thing, you know, we knew cardinals and blue jays and all the familiar birds, but um, so we started, uh, started like that. And for the next few years, I was really not a very serious birder. I didn't know about like rare bird alerts or chasing things. I never chased anything really. But uh, for the past few years, I really picked it up as a serious thing and have not looked back. And how old were you in 2012? So <laughs> Around at the end of 2012, <laughs> beginning of 2013, I would have been uh, 11. Oh my gosh, a baby. So, so yeah, I, that was about, um, what, seven, seven years ago. Oh, look at yeah. you. And you're my first, so this one is, that's a good egg. Because I was thinking <laughs> for my youngins, we'll do a episode or whatever a series the good egg so you're my first good egg <laughs> <laughs> for kids even though now you're an adult or whatever but you're still a kid to me mm-hmm. <laughs> so you did your birding with your parents and then a sibling also or it was really just my parents really my dad is the most uh interested in birds person other than me in the family so it was before I got my license a couple of years ago, it was really only exclusively birding with him almost. Oh, okay. And then did you have, well, I guess because the movie started you, but did you have a favorite bird or a spark bird or one that you were like, wow, that one's like. Yeah. So, I mean, I started birding right off uh, after seeing the movie. So uh, it wasn't a bird that started my birding that was a spark bird, but there were a, a lot of birds that really encouraged me to keep going and really blew me away the first time I saw them. Um, we would always go down to Florida for Easter. So seeing Florida scrub jay mm-hmm. was a really great, one of the first birding memories I have. Um, seeing a male hooded merganser for the first time with a beautiful hood over his uh, head is was an amazing thing uh, that blew me away one January 1st. Yeah, um, they're So there's a lot of birds that uh, kept on sparking my interest after I'd already started. Yeah. Florida has a lot of good birds. I go down there too. My mm-hmm. brother-in-law lives down there, so I get. Love birding in Florida. Oh my God. It's so good. All the ibises around the corner, we call them hookers, but they're always like on the corner and they have a um, Kara Kara in the neighborhood. Mm, I love those. Yeah. Those are kind of tricky to find sometimes in Florida. So cool. Yeah. I was super excited about that. It's a youngin, so I was happy to see that yeah. one. So, um, what's your favorite birding hotspot around Ohio? Um, I have to say that. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I mean, I have to say my favorite spot locally would probably be Sandy Ridge mm-hmm. Reservation, which is this great uh, marsh, forest, field park in uh, Lorain County that just has a amazing diversity of. Habitat that gives so many species there um, in such a small area. And so it's just fantastic the density 
and uh, diversity of birds mostly that you see there. And so it's, I go there uh, a lot since it's pretty close to where I live. Yeah, that's where I started going a lot because my son bought a house on that street, I guess about five years ago maybe. And so I'm, my husband's like, oh, you should check out that park. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't look like much, <laughs> you know, from, <laughs> from the front. And he's right. like, no, I read it has water. And I'm like, hmm. I don't know. We'll see. And yeah, the first time I went there, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And it must have been like during spring migration. I mean, it was just filled with ducks and everything was I'm like, man, this place is crazy. And I just couldn't stay away. I think I was going like every single day I was driving up there and my son would call. I thought you're coming over. And I'm like, I will at dark. <laughs> yeah, I will. At yeah, sunset. You, <laughs> you walk that trail and you just get every bit of like every habitat that you want, every type of bird that you want, get waterfowl and warblers and everything. And all the rarities. And I mm -hmm. joke about the little scent because when we were <laughs> walking there the one time, I know I was telling him like, I swear I saw a little scent, which is hard when you're, well, and I know I'm not a new birder. I guess I was birding, but not like a birder. Um, but when you look it up or you say, oh, small shorebird, this, that, you know, and you see the picture, you're like, yep, that's exactly what it looked like. And oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. The peeps are not easy. Yeah, and you're like, uh, if you're in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, mm, it it's possible. It one. could happen. You it never could happen. know. A lot yeah. of rare things show up at Sandy Ridge. Mm -hmm. I mean, they get some good stuff flying through there. Tim, I think, attracts them all there somehow. Maybe. <laughs> He's like, come on over here. They had the pelican, and I forget what else he was talking about. They had a, um anniversary party or something that we went to, and he was showing slides and pictures and all the cool stuff from back in the day. And now they bought more land, I guess. Oh, have they? Acquired more. I guess it's across the street and... Oh, by, I don't know. See, that's my memory. And this wasn't that long ago I heard it. <laughs> mm, maybe like where the water department has something or somebody, there's like mm. a roadway. And then they acquired like a bunch of land over there too. Oh, so. well, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd yeah. be something good, something new for us. Yeah. So you graduated high school. Last year, yep. Yep. And then you went away to Idaho. <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to the University of Idaho in northern Idaho. How do you like it there? I like it a lot. They have a great natural resources program. I'm studying uh, ecology and conservation biology. So it's one of, I, I, I think it's a great place to be in terms of school. And then it's a really interesting place to be in terms of birding and in terms of the area that I'm in. It's not what you would probably think Idaho, what, what you would imagine it to be. Of course, a lot of people would imagine it to be just potato fields, I guess. <laughs> right. But, but White that's kind people of the and potato side. fields. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, where I am, it's mostly, it's the, the Palouse, which used to be a prairie. Uh, and now it's been, I think, like 99.9% .9 converted into agriculture. So there's barely any of, it's one of the most endangered, uh, I think, ecosystems in North America, the Palouse Prairie, because it's basically just all rolling wheat fields as far as the eye can see there. But um, that makes it, that does make it 
interesting birding over there because the few like buttes or wooded areas that pop out of that region are really migrant traps that uh, kind of focus a lot of the birds in one area that you can get to. So what are some of the birds that are in Idaho that we don't get in Ohio? Oh, well, I mean, we'll get all the the Western breeders and stuff like Western tanagers um, with their gorgeous red heads and wing bars. And, and then in the winter, we'll have towns and solitaires and uh, varied thrushes, which are some of my favorites. I'd only seen one varied thrush before going out to Idaho. And uh, they're, su- they're such a great bird to have on campus in the winter when it's cold and there's not many birds around and there's no lake or anything out there to go to and scope out ducks or anything. So um, you can really enjoy all the varied thrushes that are hopping around in the shrubbery and things like that. We had one here, was that the one at the cemetery downtown? Yeah, that, that, I think that was the first one that I had actually seen. That was the only one I've seen outside of that region um, was one in a cemetery in Cleveland in yeah. the winter in January of last year. Yeah, Janice took me down there to see that one. That was super cool. Plus, I like cemeteries yeah. anyway. <laughs> I like <laughs> headstones. And that, um, it was that super cool. Did you see that statue, like the crying angel lady? I might have. I don't. I was very focused on the very thrush. See, and that's what I was going to say. I was going to bring that up because I know one time birding with you or we were there at the same time at Sandy Ridge. And I think... It was maybe me, you, Janice, walking around, and you had your scope. I forget what you were looking for. Obviously a bird. And we were on the far side, and a baby deer came up, and you just looked over like, yeah, whatever. And you just kept <laughs> going with the scope, and I'm like, this fool like, has oh, a baby. <laughs> migration season. I got to be scoping out those shorebirds on that marsh there. I know, but it was a baby deer. It was a yeah. fun. It was so beautiful. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to take all these pictures and you just glance <laughs> over it like, yeah, who cares? You know, looked, like whatever. <laughs> oh, a passing glance, whatever. <laughs> I was like, this there dude is serious. Could have been a bared sandpiper <laughs> out there. Or a little scent. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, or that. It was something we were looking for that was good, but yeah, I have. No I think memory. I think we were there were those really far shorebirds, so we were just trying to tell what they were. Yeah, yep. Because I, I remember you with the scope, and everyone was right. super serious. But yeah, I'll take a picture of anything, <laughs> any animal, bug, whatever. I want to see it. Mm-hmm. So for birding, and you started young. Luckily, you know, getting to watch a movie and it sparked your interest, which I'm sure, have you ever told Greg Miller that that's how you got started? No, I haven't. I've never talked to him. I'm friends with him on Facebook, but I've never talked to him. I'm going to have to let him know. (laughs) We got to watch it and um, the movie with him narrating it. Oh, that's awesome. It was super cool. And Mount Dora, Florida at the North Shore Birding Festival back in mm. January. So I signed up for that one and it was right the week before the Space Coast one. So it was the first like birding festivals that I signed up for. And um, I signed up with everything with Jason Ward so I could meet him, you know. So I hung with him the whole time. But the very first night of it, we got to watch the movie with Greg Miller saying everything. 
Only problem was like his mic wasn't as loud and I sat in the back as usual. <laughs> Always put me in the back. And um, so some of the stuff I missed, but it was kind of cool where he said, oh, you'd never see that owl there or like kind right. of discrepancies in it. And I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, who was the birding consultant <laughs> on this movie? I think, yes. They, I mean, he probably pointed that out to them, but they just. They used it anyway. Yeah. yeah. There's starting off, it's funny because starting off watching that movie, you watch it and think this is the coolest thing ever. And then you watch it more because it has sentimental value. And then as you get more experienced as a birder and you know what's supposed to be where and things like that. Yeah. Now when I watch it, and I still do watch it a lot and enjoy it a lot, but I'm like, they're getting their first Santa Crane of the year in November. Like this doesn't <laughs> make any sense. Yeah. They're seeing great spotted woodpecker in Oregon. Yep. Yeah, he was bringing out a few of those things, which I thought was really cool. I'm like, oh, see, who would know that? Well, a birder would, I guess. <laughs> but I'm like, and you were the consultant, but he is the nicest gentleman. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I guess Kent Miller is his cousin. So I had met oh. Kent Miller. I went on a birding tour with um, John Cephas and him down in Stark County or whatever. And then I don't know if someone had told me that they were cousins or something like that. I, like, I guess oh, that makes okay. sense. It's a common last name, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah. So when I met Greg, I'm like, oh, you're the famous Greg. And he's like, oh, yeah, from the movie. And I'm like, no, Kent Miller's cousin. And he's like, oh, good. He goes, I like it like that. And I go, yeah, that's how you're famous now. <laughs> but they are. They're super nice. And so, so welcoming and like able to talk to like people like me that don't know a whole lot about birds or, you know, the stupid questions. And they're just so kind with all of that. Yeah. Well, if you can't talk to people who don't know what they're talking about, then. Right. Yeah. That's the idea of the podcast. So we want to bring birding to the masses and especially to young people, people of color. That was the whole idea of the podcast. Um, when we started it, it was, there's just not enough diversity and there's not enough young people. And even I always thought like birding, all oh, that's for old people. And though I'm, mm -hmm. I'm <clears throat> older now, <laughs> I don't feel it in my head. Um, I was like, man, like, I wish I would have known this stuff when I was young. Like, I wish someone would have told me like how cool it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, I there's definitely that image of the, the Tilly hat wearing cargo shorts, mm -hmm. zip off pants, yeah, uh, wearing old old white man who's the birder absolutely yep that's how the whole the trailer starts you have to be old white and wear khakis to be a birder right <laughs> or to like birds and it's like not really but mm -hmm. um it is it's funny that a lot of younger people maybe think of it as a nerdy thing so when you were chasing birds or birding with your dad did you have friends from school or your friends that you were growing up with that were like oh my god you're such a nerd Ben <laughs> well uh, I they all I mean I was very open about it and I uh would talk about it a lot and I think everybody I didn't experience any anything negative about it I think everybody was uh I think most people really like it when somebody else has something that they really uh are enthusiastic about so I agree I was just that's something to be optimistic about I think yeah yeah. So what do you think, how do you think it would be, or what would be a good idea, um, or how to bring it to the masses more so in your experience? Ah, uh, well, just, I, 
I just, I think birders being as engaging as possible as, um, that doesn't mean, that's not to say to make birding, to try to change birding to be more like exciting or anything, because it's plenty exciting. I just mean to, uh, you know, be, to engage in conversations with non-birders and uh, to be very active in trying to not have the birding community be at all dismissive of beginners or people who don't know that cardinals molt their head feathers in the fall or um, how to identify this bird or that bird. Right. Um, yeah, to just be, and it, I always find it's very rewarding to get perspectives from beginners and people who don't know all the pre-established knowledge and things like that. I've been asked by non-birders whether a kiskadee uh, is a woodpecker. And um, that really just gives me a different perspective on, because I've never thought of kiskadees in that way because I know that they're flycatchers, because I've been educated to know that they're part of the flycatcher family, I never thought of how similar they could be seen uh, to be as woodpeckers. Right. With their big bills and their kind of raucous, bold pattern behavior, how different they are from a lot of the flycatchers we're used to, and how a layman might not even know what a flycatcher is in the first place. Right. That's true. I think um, Sandy Ridge is a great place. We'll keep just saying what a great place that is. We'll get more and more people <laughs> there. <laughs> but yeah, same thing. I think Carol, well, there was a gentleman, I can't remember his name. I wish I could, but um, he helped me a lot when I first started birding there. And like I said, it had to be during migration. And I saw like my first Sora and stuff. He's like, man, that's a great bird to find. Like, you know, are you? and I'm like, I just started, but I just saw it moving around. And uh, he pointed out a lot of really cool stuff for me. And then Carol and Mark, like, walking around and, and oh, you want to walk with us? Or, you know what I mean? They were yeah. very, very inviting. Yeah, being inviting and helpful and answering questions and mm -hmm. asking questions. And I think a lot of the birding community is, is great at that. Um, almost all of it, I would say. Just it can never hurt to be more mindful about it. I agree. Definitely. So what does 2020 hold for you or what's on your list of things to do or birds to see or what's up for this year for you? Well, um, coronavirus really changed my plans so far in the year because I was going to be in Idaho for the spring, but basically I spent the whole spring in Ohio. Right. Now so, I don't know to interviewing you. No, that's yeah. my husband did that joke. I'm like, you are so corny. <laughs> well, uh, but now I uh, am going back to Idaho in the fall. Classes are supposed to be in person or at least partially in person for the fall. It's not 100% clear yet, but we're definitely going back. So I'm definitely going to do another road trip across from Ohio to Idaho, which is always very exciting. Get lots of birds. I'm not sure which route I'll take this time, maybe through North Dakota, since last year I went through South Dakota. And I love the roadside birding in North Dakota and all the birding in the marshes in North Dakota. I think that's one of, a, I think that's a state that's really underappreciated. Yeah. In terms of birding. Mm, 
I don't know. I'm scared of that state. I think I heard <laughs> stuff back when I was young, 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 like your age. Um, my father-in-law at the time, they had done a lot of driving like to Colorado and stuff. And he was like, you never want to be on the road in those like in the Dakotas at nighttime <laughs> by yourself. Like it's so dangerous. And I'm like, what? And he's like, just because it's so you know, sparsely and isolated. Habited. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. it could be, I guess as well, a girl, I always worry about wherever I'm right. at. You know. Yeah. I guess I should say that I, maybe the birding community appreciates North Dakota more than anybody else because of its birds. I mean, most of the time I hear people bashing North Dakota for being boring or non-birders. <laughs> so <laughs> I've never been out West. I want to, I want to see a road runner. Do y'all have road runners in Idaho or no? Not in Idaho, in the Southwest, in like the desert Southwest, in California and Arizona, Texas, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that's where the roadrunners are. I'd like to see one of those in real life. Yeah, they're awesome. Well, obviously, I'd seen pictures before, but yeah. I didn't know that they ate hummingbirds until I did my bird brain episode on hummingbirds. Hmm. Yeah. I was like, man, they're so cute, little roadrunners. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there's a segment flipping the bird, you know, and it's mm -hmm. not that bird. It's stuff about a bird or a misconception that people think about birds that isn't true. And maybe when you learned, you were like, oh, that's interesting. So yeah. do you have a flipping the bird. Definitely. So I think that there's just a lot of attributes and characteristics about birds that birds have that people would never really attribute to them or don't attribute to them normally. Um, something that I actually just learned a few days ago is that... What you doing learning when you ain't in school, boy? No. <laughs> <laughs> something that I actually learned a few days ago um, that I never thought of before in terms of birds was that yellow-headed blackbirds, when they sing, they actually have two song types and one of their song types, they, the position that they go into when they sing it, they always turn their head to the left, never to the right, never forward. Their head is always to the left. It's always a preference for that side when they're singing that type of song. Wow. And just that concept of kind of like birds being left-handed in some sense of the word is an example that kind of blew my mind of something that I'd never thought of birds having, some trait that I didn't think uh, about in terms of maybe birds have this. Yeah, know? that's cool. Super cool. I know yeah. when I saw, um, have you seen that documentary, Murder of Crows? I have not. It is so good. But how they have facial recognition and they pass it on generation to generation. Right. Is I've heard of those studies. Yeah. Where they wear a mask. Yeah. And they, yeah. It might have been at and Idaho they, University. I don't I forget. I think it was Washington, University of Washington. <laughs> Wherever. Yeah. Corvids <laughs> have such great cognitive capabilities that are another perfect example of things that a lot of people and even a lot of birders might not imagine birds being able to do. Right. I think there's so much for us to learn. I think that's the other super exciting thing about birding is there's all these books and all these experts and whatever, but they're still learning so much all the time new. Right. There's still, even in some of the most well-studied species in the most common areas, 
there's still so much to learn about what they're doing. And there's still so much we don't know about so many dimensions of their life histories and genetics just as one thing. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. I love it. I love learning that kind of stuff. If I could retain Mm -hmm. it, it would be wonderful. But (laughs) (laughs) always learning while birding. (laughs) That's it. I try to. Then I'll mix it up and get them confused. Um, What changes would you like to see in birding, if any? Well, I think that I've been, there's been a lot of discussion about this in the birding community recently. And I think that there's a lot of um, bird names that just subscribe to a system that I don't think is, that I don't think we have to, 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 to subscribe to. Um, like the honorific names that um, there's actually an ABA, not the ABA, a, the, a, a proposal a couple years ago, I think, to the NACC, the North American Classification Committee that decides splits and lumps and name changes and things each year to change the name of McCown's Longspur because McCown was a Confederate general who fought for slavery. Mm. And they rejected that um, that proposal in the sake of nomenclatural stability. And he, I think they said that it was named for him before he fought as a general. So they didn't change that name officially, but I think that there's, and that's just one example of a, of a bird name that's named in the honorific system that's basically founded in colonialism and all these white naturalists Mm -hmm. coming in from Europe and describing all these birds and saying, this is my bird. Um, or this is my naturalist friend's bird. Um, I say we take it back. I say we start yeah, a movement. And, Forget another, that. and the biggest thing about these names almost is that they don't describe the bird at all. Um, when you're thinking about a, a Townsend storm petrel, is not that name in itself is not descriptive of the bird at all. You could have so many, you could have a much better name, you could have a name that describes the bird's plumage or its habitat or its life history, or you could use an indigenous name or something like that. But I think it's just one of the lamest choices to make to have so many of our birds named after people who did these objectionable things. Absolutely. I agree. Down with Columbus too. So I think that that we can, we're going to rename that. (laughs) I I think that something we can change as a community just by using uh, different names is being less attached to nomenclatural stability and having more inclusive and also just more interesting bird names. See, but you can change it because I know I was following whichever group on Facebook, um, whatever, say Central Ohio, whatever. Right. And there was some, you know, racist thing. And we were like, Erp! and someone started a whole nother group, you know, like, forget that. We're not part of this racist stuff. We're, and so I'm like, absolutely. And so now, you know, all the cool people were over in the new group. Mm-hmm. So I think the same with the bird names. I think we should start a Facebook group yeah, with best, all new names, Ben. <laughs> the best, the best way to, uh, to do that is to kind of just start using the names we want to see changed in our everyday life because that gives them, I mean, if anything, if we're still going to bring it to the committee, 
then that gives them the example of this name is being used. Right. I agree. See, I'm going to have to look up that McCowan's thing. And so what would you, what would be a good name for that one? I'm going to put you on the spot now. (laughs) I mean, there's been names that other people have described, have, have come up for it. I think short grass long spur was one. Um, Maybe Laramie long spur was one of them named after a county and also named after a person who was an abolitionist, I think. Um, even though I'm not sure we should be naming any birds around people right. at all because it's not descriptive of the bird. Correct. But shortgrass longspur, I think, was one of the biggest proposed names for that. We'll see there. We can just start calling it that. Like I said, you can start yeah. a whole new group and we'll rename all the birds. <laughs> Take out yeah. all the objectionable names and make them better names. You're more descriptive names. Yeah. Fun names. So I can figure out what it is too. Names that are, I mean, it's part of being inclusive and also engaging too. Names that make you want to learn more about the bird rather than just like Bachman Sparrow. It's just some named after some scientist. Maybe that's historically interesting, but maybe it's not um, the most engaging name we can give that bird. There's so many interesting things about that bird and all the other birds that are named after people right? that we could name it something descriptive. Unless you find a bird in Idaho that he hasn't been discovered and they want to name it the Ben Meredith, Murdoch, whatever, (laughs) you know your name. (laughs) Yeah. Then you're like, well, in this instance, it's fine to name it after a person. (laughs) Hopefully not. (laughs) Well, anything else that you want to talk about or get out there? Any... No, I don't, I don't think so. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to have you on my good egg. You were uh, number two on my list. Of course, Janice, I've interviewed her about three or four times, but we can never get through it without laughing and like getting so off subject. Oh, then Josh is like, this is trash. Like (laughs) (laughs) try again. And we're like, oh man, we just can't get through it. I don't know what our problem is. And then, like you said, with the quarantine and everything, oh, it just got crazy. I was like, Definitely. I've got to get these episodes up and out right now and get it going. But I'm excited. And if you head back to Idaho, when are you heading back? Because I want to hook up with you and do some burden. Right. Yeah, I'll be heading back in mid-August. Oh, so okay. So we still got probably Plenty like of a time. month and a half. Plenty yeah. of time. Plenty of time. Good. And we'll hook mm-hmm. up. I'll get to see in real life instead of on the Zoom Zoom. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Ben, I appreciate you. Thank you for doing this and getting Thank the word you. out and being my first good egg. And we're all so <laughs> proud of you. You know, everyone at Sandy, when we were talking, when you were leaving Fridaho, we're like, oh, Ben's leaving. Like, you know, we just all felt like parents all losing our baby. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> You're a sweetheart. We just love you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one, and I'll see you out birding. (laughs) You too. I'll see you good birding. Thank you. Thanks, sweetie. Well, that wraps up another episode of My Favorite Birder. Please hit subscribe and follow us on Facebook, and I'll see you out birding.